Hi guys, and welcome to our podcast, An Exploration of Refugees. In this podcast, we're going to be discussing the refugee crisis around the world. Specifically in this podcast, we're going to cover several regions, such as Latin America, Sub-Saharan Africa, the Middle East, and Asia. Stay tuned and listen to our four episodes, where we talk about the struggles the refugees have faced, where we discuss what is a refugee, and how they have, the refugees, or are on the course to achieve justice. Hi guys, welcome to the first episode of this podcast. My name is Hiba and my topic will be the Middle Eastern refugee crisis. So let's start with the basics. What is a refugee? Refugees are people who are forced to leave their countries due to the fact that there's a conflict, you know, such as war, poverty, famine in the area that's making it impossible to survive and live there. So as I said a couple seconds back, my focus is going to be the refugee crisis in the Middle East. So Where is the Middle East and what countries does it consist of? So the Middle East is located in Asia and it consists of countries such as um, Lebanon, Syria, Iraq, Iran, Palestine, Jordan, Saudi Arabia, um, Kuwait, Qatar, United Arab Emirates, Oman, and Yemen. So I know there's other countries in the Middle East, but I just named the ones that are more known and I named the ones that I will be using throughout this podcast So in the past decades, the Middle East has become one of the most war-stricken areas, which has resulted in millions of refugees, unfortunately, and thousands of deaths. So some wars that are currently occurring in the Middle East are the Syrian War and the Yemen War. And I know there are are more wars going on, but in this podcast, I want to focus on these two wars. So these two wars have caused a spike in the the Middle Eastern refugees. And as I said before... I know there are um, other wars going on, and throughout this podcast, we will talk about other wars, but these two wars are going to be the ones that we will, you know, really be touching base and focusing on. Okay, so let's start with the Syrian war. So first, let's talk about, what do you call it? Let's talk about um, the basics, the history behind it. So the Syrian war started in 2011. And right now it's 2021, almost 2022. So it's been a decade and it's still going on as of today, unfortunately. So the war has resulted in about 220,000 deaths and about 12.8 million people needing urgent care or help. And if we put this in a statistical view, that means about, no, that means more than 50% of the population is displaced. So, you know, as a listener, and when I first read about this information, and I know that now that I'm telling you guys this information, I know you guys are feeling some, you know, gut-wrenching feeling like, oh my god, like, that's horrible, like, my heart is broken, and as a normal human being, that's how we should all feel. But even though there are all these statistics out there on the internet, on the news, and books, newspapers, etc., there's a lot of high-income countries such as Russia, Japan, South Korea, Saudi Arabia, and the United Arab Emirates, that have offered little to no help in the resettlement and help of Syrian refugees, which absolutely sucks, and it shocked me, to be honest. Because since I was little, I can remember my parents turning on the news and watching updates on the war. And I can remember as a young child, I always wanted to watch, but, you know, I could never watch because I was still young. But it always intrigued me, and not in a good way. I just always wanted to know what was on the TV. And 
you know, for me, I didn't really figure out what was going on around the what was going on around the world, especially um specifically Syria, until I met a friend. And this friend basically told me about her experiences in Syria. She had escaped these horrors and you know, I never really understood. I never really understood what was going on. I would sometimes sneakily look at my parents' TV, you know, see see some people shooting, see this and that. But I never really understood how big, you know, how big of a problem it was until I met this friend. And my friend, I interviewed her, but she doesn't want her name to be said on this interview. So, well, not, and I'll be um basically reading you, telling you her story. So she doesn't want to be named, so we're going to call her Sophia. And she grew up in Syria. Her dad was a doctor and her mom was a businesswoman. She had a happy life. You know, she went to school. She hung out with friends after school. She complained about her parents. She, you know, all of that teenage drama. She did reckless teenage activities. She was a normal teenage girl until the war intensified. In a blink of an eye, Sophia ended up losing her dad and brother. They were shot in front of her. She lost her house. She had stopped going to school. And um, I don't think I mentioned this before, but Sophia was a straight A student. She was top of her class. She was doing really well. She had plans to go um, to a really good college, all of that. And she lost everything in a blink of an eye. Her life did a whole 180. So her mom and her and um, her sister fled Syria. They fled and they stayed in a refugee camp. I can't precisely remember where she um stated uh it might be turkey but i don't want to you know say something that i'm not sure of but she did stay in a refugee camp for a couple months and she eventually came to america as a refugee but um if you guys don't know a lot about refugee camps they do help refugees in a way where refugees have somewhere to stay um you know because they got kicked out of their homes etc but refugee camps aren't necessarily always the cleanest they have um Sometimes they have unsafe water, um, unsafe, uh, I wouldn't say unsafe food, but the living conditions there aren't the best. And Sophia's mom fell ill from the living conditions they had um, in the camp. And as the oldest, she now had to take the responsibility of taking care of them. So she has to take care of her, her mom, and her little sister. And at the same time, Sophia suffers from PTSD, anxiety, and depression because of the horror she saw. And unfortunately, Sophia was only 23, and when I think about it right now, Sophia was around my age, 17, when she had to escape Syria, when she had to go to the refugee camp and all of that. And it breaks my heart, because right now, as a 17-year-old, I wouldn't be able to deal with all of that. I don't think I would be able to, you know, uh, escape my country you know work two full-time jobs to help my parent to help my mom become i guess not as mature but yeah she's very mature but become like that i don't know how to put it in words but it, it broke my heart sophia is such a strong woman she is incredibly strong she i look up to her if I'm going to be honest, I look up to her. I want to be as strong-willed as her. I want to have such a strong character as her. And I feel like it's really important to hear the story and take it in because Sophia is not the only one that's going through this. There are millions of refugees around the world. And this story shows you, the listeners, and to be honest, even me, what refugees have to go through. So now that we heard this, 
about the Syrian war, let's move on to the Yemen war. The Yemen civil war started in 2015, so that's about a couple years after the Syrian war started, and the people in Yemen were already suffering from poverty and starvation. So the war was just another add-on to the suffering that they had. And if we look into statistics, about 70% of the population lacks safe drinking water, 66% of Yemeni people need assistance, and um, before I move on any further, um, this was like these statistics were taken um, in 2018. So when I did more research, I found out now that the 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 need for help um, assistance for Yemeni people has gone up to more than 80 percent. So the numbers keep rising, which is horrible. And our folks is our folks should be is to drop the numbers, to be honest. Um, but let's continue. In the hospitals in Yemen, they don't have proper equipment to help the sick and the wounded. So only about 50% of the hospitals have basic equipment, such as beds, um, IVs, you know, um, cleansing stuff. So basic equipment that could be found. And even in those um, 50%, a lot, of the, a lot of those hospitals... Are not functioning just due to the fact that in that area there's a lot of war so this basically answers the first part of the question and to be honest i don't think i um stated what the first part was which was what is the refugee crisis in the middle east so that was what the first question was. So here's, like I said, we um, finished that first question. And now we're going to start discussing um, the second part and the third part, which I'll tell you guys now because I didn't tell you guys in the beginning. And I apologize about that. But the second and third part is what does America have to do with this? So what does America have to do with these problems? How are they involved in this? And how do refugees affect America? So if we look at the Middle East as a whole, not just Syria, not just Yemen. We see that America has always been there. So the longest war that America has fought ever in its history is the Afghanistan War, which has always caught, which has caused millions of refugees. So if we really think about it, um, growing up, the Afghanistan War was something that I heard about all the time, throughout school, you know, at home, and I feel like a lot of um people that were. I guess Gen Z millennials, I feel like that's just a war that we really know because that's a war that America has been in the longest. So the whole purpose of America going into Afghanistan was to destabilize the Taliban and give the Afghan people more freedom and rights. But unfortunately, it didn't work out that way. What happened was it actually weakened the state and it led to the growth of ISIS. Um, the Taliban did eventually end up, I guess, declining in that area. But ISIS started growing and unfortunately now as if you've been you know listening to the news etc um America withdrew all its troops from Afghanistan so the Taliban has gotten full control of it again so ISIS is a known Muslim radical terrorist group who have caused destruction and chaos to places all over the world um if you guys look at the news you know there has been a lot of attacks um throughout these um couple years in America caused by ISIS but specifically, um, ISIS really focuses on the Middle East. So now we can see that connection between America and the Middle Eastern um, refugee crisis. So I'm not going to necessarily be like, oh, 
America is the one that caused the wars. I'm not necessarily going to be like, oh, America, you know, we're just trying to help. But we see that there's a strong connection between America and, you know, the fact that there are wars in the Middle East. Like, there is a connection between those two. So another example of this, um, and I won't really discuss this in detail just because of time restraints. Um, but in the Middle East, uh, there's a, a country named Iraq, and I discussed that up in, um, in the beginning when I was talking about um, countries in the Middle East. And America invaded Iraq two years after 9-11 to find any weapons, plans, people, etc. that were planning on harming America. So that was their main per- purpose and goals. They also had others, but that was like the main target. But this unfortunately caused destabilization of Iraq. I I don't necessarily know if they got what they wanted, but it did cause a horrible civil war, which has caused hundreds of thousands of deaths in Iraq and millions of refugees from Iraq, too. So this also shows a um, deeper connection with America and the Middle Eastern refugee crisis. And let me um, restate that I'm not putting in a certain opinion. I'm not putting down a certain, you know, oh, I believe this and I believe that. I'm just putting down the facts that I have found throughout my research. So in total, between these four wars, but um, so the Iraq War, the Syrian War, the Afghanistan War, and the Yemen War, America has spent more than $3.6 trillion on the wars. So they have spent that much money on either weapons, troops, um, etc. So now let's discuss how refugees have affected America. So we discussed how basically how America is involved. And a lot of refugees do come to America um so a lot of refugees either go to europe and america but we're mostly focusing on america so america actually benefits greatly from refugees when we look at statistics it shows that refugees actually um provide a lot of economic benefits so for example they provide uh, billions of dollars to the economy of america every year which is amazing refugees also revitalize um declining areas so what that basically means is let's say for example um let's take charlotte in uh, north carolina okay let's say everybody's moving out of charlotte um the economy in charlotte is um declining etc so basically refugees when they come to america they basically revive that area they start um helping the economy in that area and they're also really important to the labor market in a recent study it shows that refugees actually work more and have a higher employment rate than u.s born citizens so this shows that um Refugees benefit America almost as... No, refugees benefit America as much as America... No, I'm sorry. I worded that completely wrong. America benefits from refugees as much as refugees benefit from benefits from America. Okay. I don't know if... Let me say that one more time. America benefits from refugees as much as refugees benefits from America. I'm sorry. You guys just watched me struggle for a couple minutes. But let's keep going. Let's keep going. Okay, so now that we discussed the last part of the question, I actually wanted to add another question, which I didn't really state in the beginning because it just popped up right now. And it is, how do American people feel about the Middle Eastern refugees? So I did a lot of research about this, and um, actually, uh, beforehand, um, 
before the Paris attacks, which I will explain what the Paris attacks are in a little bit, American people were actually very accepting of refugees. They were actually um, they were actually encouraging the government to do more, and they supported them. Um, in a survey that was held, it showed that a lot of people were telling the government to do more. But after the Paris attacks, and if um, some of you guys don't know what the Paris attacks are, they are attacks that occurred in Paris. The attacker, the attackers were all Arab, and all of them were identified as Muslim. But let me emphasize on this, and let's just all remember that there's a huge difference between Islam, Muslims, and radical crazy people, okay? Um, there is radical crazy people in all religions and all races, you know, um, everything. So let's not stereotype, Not let's not be like, oh, you know, all Arabs, all Muslims are terrorists. No, okay? So let's keep that in mind um, throughout this whole podcast. Let's just keep that in mind in life, you know? Stereotyping is bad. Okay? Okay, let's keep going. And two of the attackers were assumed to be Syrian refugees. So this basically caused fear and almost resentment towards refugees, especially Arab and Muslim refugees around the world. So after the Paris attacks, the same survey was done. And it said that about 53% of Americans stated that America should stop com- like accepting refugees, like, period. Like, no refugees should come in, especially Middle Eastern refugees. But they kind of, like, put up a wall and they were like, you know, we don't want any more refugees. So Americans also stated, the ones that weren't completely against refugees coming in, they said that they wanted a um, complete and strict security clearance process before they um before the refugees come in so they want to know who they are what they're doing etc they want a strict security um security clearance process so you guys have all this information i feel like um the last part that i'm going to discuss right now is the most important for you guys it is how to help refugees get justice and i feel like the main way to do this is to spread awareness spread awareness you know um, research stuff, see what's going on, because we can't really help them if we don't know what's going on. We can't really help somebody if we're not aware of what is happening to them. So spread awareness, um, you know, watch the news, read the book, see the newspaper, talk with a friend. And once you are informed of this, go and tell your friends, go and tell your sister, your brother, your mom, your dad, um, your guardian, your family, etc. Spread awareness. And how can we help refugees? How can, um, not just, you know, certain justice, but how can we help refugees? You can donate clothes, food, uh, food, woman products, you know, um, baby products, etc. to a local place that houses refugees. And if you need um, help with that, you can literally go to Google, Safari, Internet Explorer, whatever you have. Um, search up, you know, local places that houses refugees and, you know, it'll pop up. So another thing that you can do is if you have enough space, if you have enough money, you can actually host refugees for a couple months. You host them for a couple months, you help them out until they get on, uh, they get back on their feet, they get a job and then they'll move out. So you can do that. You can all if you have a business or if you have or if you, you know, you you're a manager, you have a higher position in the business, you can hire, you can employ refugees. As I said, um, refugees actually um, have a higher employer employment rate than um you know, uh, U.S. born people in in a lot of research, it shows that uh, refugees work more. So they came here for a better life. They came here to improve their life. So that is also a way to help them. It is a way to help them um, become stable. It's a way to help them achieve their goals to get better. So these are the ways that us 
as a, as a society can help refugees. And that's all I have. So thank you for listening to my podcast. I hope, well, my episode, because we still have um, episode two next. So thank you for listening to my episode. And I hope you enjoyed it. So, yeah. Bye. Welcome back to the Escalation of Refugees podcast. This is Michael. Today, on episode two, we're going to be diving into and analyzing refugees in the refugee crisis in Sub-Saharan Africa. Now to recap on episode one, we looked into refugees in the Middle East. We also are looking, gonna recap on what is a refugee and what is a refugee crisis. From the United Nations Refugee Agency, a refugee is someone who is unable or willing to return to their country of origin or from the United Nations Refugee Agency, a refugee is someone who is unable or willing to return to their country of origin, only to a well-founded fear of being persecuted for reasons of race, religion, and nationality in memberships of social groups and or political opinions. From www.research.org, a refugee crisis is more pe- the more people have from www.research.org a refugee crisis is more people have been felt forcibly displaced from their homes than at any time since World War II the R the IRC responds to some of the world's worst crises building aid that saves lives while paving the way for long-term recovery. From the recap, you should know what is a refugee crisis and a refugee. Now, we're going to go into depth, more into depth. From the recap, you should know what a refugee and a refugee crisis is. Now, we're going to go into more depth into what with the refugee crisis in Sub-Saharan Africa on this episode of The Exploration. For some information to think about, 20%, for some information to think about, 26% of the world's refugees come from Sub-Saharan Africa and they estimated 18 million Sub-Saharan African refugees. While most of the cause of refugee crises and for some people becoming refugee is the main are things mainly of war and civil injustice among the people. I am now going to share a clip of a CNN video about the current climax of the refugee crisis and what. Here's some more information that might help you understand the video. From 2012 to 2017, the number of Sub-Saharan African refugees rise from 8.2 million in in 2012 to 18.4 million in from 2012 to 2017, the number of Sub-Saharan African refugees rise from 8.2 million in 2012 to 18.4 million in a five-year life. Five-year Most Sub-Saharan African refugees migrate to the coast of the Mediterranean and get asylum in European countries like Spain, France, Italy, and United Kingdom and other European countries that accept Sub-Saharan African refugees. Since 2010, at least a million Sub-Saharan Africans 
have moved and seek asylum in Europe. And in recent years, the largest countries come from Sudan with 2.4 refugees come from, and there's Somalia, Sudan, the Democratic Republic of the Congo, and the African Republic. Some of the most notable events that caused the huge refugee crisis in Africa, especially in Sub-Saharan Africa, in, is in 1994 in the Central African Republic and in, in the Great, in 1994 in the Great Lakes. Some of the most notable events and examples of the serious refugee crisis in Sub-Saharan Africa was in 1994, the Rwandan genocide that caused conflict to, and 300,000 to 750,000 native Rwandans to become a Africa might never come until corruption and the rampant epidemics they've been having throughout the years have, have come to a stop. Hopefully, this will come soon to exploration of refugees podcast. On our next episode, we're going to be talking about the Asian Pacific. Hi, in this episode, we're going to talk about the um, Asia and the Pacific uh, refugees and the refugee crisis. So there's many ways why people are considered refugees. And so you may ask, what is a refugee and how are they considered? So there are many ways that people become refugees and that come to America to have a better life rather than what they had to go through back in their lifetime in their country. A refugee is considered to be people that have fled in war, violence, conflict, or prosecution, and they have crossed an international border to find safety in another country. So there's one strong difference in between the words of refugees and asylum seekers. So because it means they are forced and have no other option but to leave from their home, um, the refugees that I'm analyzing are in Asia and the Pacific, and there are 9.2 million people of concern to UNHCR across Asia and the Pacific that include 4.4 million refugees and asylum seekers, 3.3 million internally displaced people, and 2.3 million stateless persons. You may ask, what is an asylum seeker? As we had mentioned before, there is a strong difference between refugees and asylum seekers. So, that is someone whose request for sanctuary has not yet been processed. Every year, around 1 million people seek asylum. National asylum systems are in place to determine whose qualities for international protection. Asylum seekers look for protection because they fear prosecution, or they have experienced violence or human rights violations. A refugee is a person who asks for protection and wants the given refugee status. They may have been resettled in another country or are waiting for given refugee status. So there's no operational definition for Asia and the Pacific, but this does consist of Central Asia, East Asia and the Pacific, South Asia, Southeast Asia, and Southwest Asia. So you may ask, how are the refugees coming in? So there are many refugees that come from different countries, and majority of the refugees are in Asia and the Pacific region that come from Afghanistan and Myanmar. So Afghanistan has been one of the major countries of Oregon for over 30 years, and Afghans are the second largest refugee population in the world. 
So in 2019, more than two-thirds of all refugees came from just five countries, which is Syria, Venezuela, Afghanistan, South Sudan, and Myanmar. So Syria has been the main country of origin for refugees since 2014 and at the end of 2019. So there were 6.6 million Syrians at refugees hosted by 126 countries worldwide. So nonetheless, Asia, the most populous of the continents, contains some of three-fifths of the world's people. So Asia is the birthplace of all the world's major religions, which is Buddhism, Christianity, Hinduism, Islam, and Judaism. So there are many minor ones. The U.S. Asia population is diverse. There's a record of 22 million Asia Americans trace their roots to more than 20 countries in East and Southeast Asia and the Indian subcontinent, each with unique histories, cultures, language, and other countries and characteristics that come from them that will be present in America, which will be all but helping it in many different ways. But you may ask, why are they coming in? So there's different struggles that each country goes through. But specifically in East and Asia and the Pacific, they are facing it. And it makes it harder for people to feel like they are in a good place. And that is because they are currently going through the pressure on land, habitat destruction, and loss of biodiversity, water sacredity, and water air pollution, and global warming and climate change. So there are some of... It could be some of the reasons that people become refugees or displaced people for many reasons, which they can be. They are forced to flee prosecution for their political or religious beliefs, ethnicity, nationality, or membership of a particular social group. They're compelled to leave as a result of war. Asia lacks good regional models of constructive refugee policy and capacity building to host the strangers at the gate. And in 1966, the organization, which is ALLCO, is adopted the legally non-binding Bangkok Principles on Status and Treatment of Refugees. So this stands for Asia African Legal Consultative, which is a body that advises its 48 member states on matters of international law. Asia countries continue their economic growth and political rise. So they'll need better national and regional efforts to open up diverse peoples and cultures. Population, growth, and economic development contribute to many environmental problems in Asia. The Bangkok principles place strengthened coordination at the hearts of efforts to reduce the risk from biological hazards. So they call for interoperable, multi-sectoral approach to promote the systematic corporate operation, interaction, and ultimately the coherence between the disaster and health risk management. So, what does America have to do with it? So, America is helping refugees in many different ways. And because there's people that have forcibly displaced from their homes and at the time of since World War II, that IRC responds to some of the world's worst crises, delivering the aid, the that saves lives while paving the way for long-term recovery. The IRC, which is the only international aid organization working on all fronts of the crisis, which is Syria, Iraq, 
Jordan, and Lebanon. More than 2,000 IRC aid workers and local volunteers operating inside Syria and in three neighboring countries have reached millions of Syrians fleeing violence with emergency relief and long-term support. The IRC is focusing on health care, protection of vulnerable women and children, education, and economic recovery and development. So there's many states and countries that come from different countries and different continents. And that's why we want to have some research that is based on how many and to determine. Based on the research that I found, that new United Nations data shows that despite the COVID-19 pandemic, 82.4 million people were forcibly displaced by the end of 2020 owing to war, violence, prosecution, and other emergencies. Currently, there are more than 7,500, 750,000 refugees living in neighboring countries, which are Kenya, Yemen, and Ethiopia. Over 2.6 million people are internationally displaced in the country. Asia's economic growth contracted by 1.5% in 2020, while the world economy strengthened by 3.2% in July 2021. The International Monetary Fund, which stands for IMF, forecast that Asia would grow at 7.5% in 2021 and 6.4% in 2022, compared with 6.0% and 4.9% for the world. Asia's association for their growth was driven by rapid industrialization, often led by exports and linked with changes of the composition of output and employment. It was supported by coordinated economic policies, unorthodox, wherever necessary, across sectors and over time. The U.S. population is diverse. A record 22 million Asian Americans trace their roots to more than 20 countries in East and Southeast Asia and the Indian subcontinent, each weave with unique histories, cultures, languages, and other characteristics. So how do refugees affect America? Refugees have an impact on America in different ways that benefit each and everyone globally and individually. They help on the aspects of politics, jobs, and economy, and that is said because their efforts can help create jobs, raise the productivity and wages of local workers, lift capital returns, stimulate national trade and investment, and boost innovation, enterprise, and growth in which welcoming refugees generally implies an initial investment, typically of public funds. So you may ask, what is capital returns? So the capital returns, which stands for ROC, is a payment or return received from an investment that is not considered a taxable event and is taxed as income. Capital is returned, for example, on retirement accounts and permanent life insurance policies. Regular investments accounts return gains first. This is all tied into trades like I had mentioned previously, and trades are a critical role in what stimulating international trade and investment is through America's prosperity, which is fueling economic growth, supporting good jobs at home, raising living standards, and helping Americans provide for their families and affordable goods and services. An economic impact study in Cleveland found that refugee families made substantial economic contributions to the re region, leading to an estimated $48 million in additional spending in 2012. As the study notes, refugees typically found employment within five months of being resettled. 
They expand cons consumer markets for local goods, opening new markets, bringing in new skills, creating employment, and filling empty employment riches. A new market is a market where the end product or service is new. In other words, there isn't really existing demand, but there could be. Even a lot of the companies are selling to mid-market companies that never spent money on traditional software applications before, therefore making it a new market in practice. U.S. goods had a total of $3.9 trillion, and U.S. services had a total of $1.3 trillion. The Asia-Pacific region plays an important role in the politics of the international affairs because of a number of reasons, which some of them are it is home to almost half of the world's population. Along with these economic significances, the China and the U.S. economic rivalry is majorly based in the region of Asia and the Pacific. Thanks to the diverse perspectives and experiences, refugees and their children can help spark new ideas and technologies. People who have been uprooted from one culture and exposed to another tend to be more creative. While studies show that diverse groups outperform like-minded experts at problem-solving and helping with boosting innovation, public funds are the in under their presidential public funding program, which is eligible for presidential candidates receiving federal government funds to pay for the qualified expenses of their political campaigns in both the primary and general elections, fund the major party nominees, general elections, and campaigns. So, it for my podcast in this episode, this is it for the Asia and the Pacific region and their refugee crisis. That was early. Since 2018, political turmoil and persecution in Nicaragua also tri triggered a massive exodus in the region, with more than 102,000 people seeking safety in neighboring countries such as Costa Rica and Panama. This not only shows that the problem isn't just in Venezuela, but it also affects other regions in Latin America, but that there is a crisis also of too many people coming in from seeking refugee. So that indirectly affects the populations that are taking in refugees as well. And so one, some, several of the reasons are gang violence, threats, extortion, persecution, and sexual violence. And these things alone have forced hundreds of thousands to flee their homes in search of safety and a better life. However, although all these horrible things have been happening, I do want to bring up the fact that things are getting better. According to Filippo Grandi, Latin American countries are facing an unprecedented level of displacement, yet they've stepped up to the challenge by showing unique generosity and dedication to find dignified solutions for those forced to flee. This has been shown specifically in places such as Colombia, who that have been taking in hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of refugees 
in order to help their neighboring Latin American areas. And also Ecuador as well has also been taking in refugees and policies have been And policies are also being beginning to be written in order to help those in need that are seeking refugee. And the last thing I want to say is that these tragedies that take place during this crisis and the exploitation and abuse towards these millions of refugees across the years will not be forgotten. And as long as they receive, receive the continued support As long as they receive the continued support of governments and find asylum, the situation will improve and they will find justice for the injustice that they faced that forced them to become refugees in the first place. This is the last episode of our podcast and thank you for listening.